Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio. We talk with midlife learners about their educational journey, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. My guest today is Sherianne Dulager. She's founder and president of Sage Analytics, a company that is focused on governance, consulting, and helping local government build decision-making capacity through training, research, evaluation, and strategy. A self-described farm girl from central Alberta, her path to her current career really got underway after she decided to pursue a master's degree in public administration at Dalhousie University. Sherianne, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Katrina. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Well, let's start at the beginning of what you've described as your unconventional career path. Tell us about your journey in deciding to pursue a master's in public administration. What led you to that decision? Well, I had studied the local government certification courses through the University of Alberta, uh, offered in conjunction with Dalhousie University. And uh, so I had experience working in municipal government. And I was working as a CAO in a small municipality. And uh, once I completed those courses, then uh, the master's program um, was on my radar. And eventually, it uh, opportunities opened up for me to take that program as well. Wonderful. So I know when I returned to school after being away from the classroom for a very long time, I was pretty anxious about that process. What was it like for you when you decided that you're going to do this and go back and get your master's degree? What was that process like? Uh, it was quite quite exciting. And uh, reflecting back, uh, when I was studying my local government courses, uh, one of my classmates had threw the idea out there for me that uh, I should pursue my master's of public administration. And at that time, uh, the idea, it struck me in a, a bit of a unique way. Uh, and it, it was quite a warm, there was a lot of warmth to that. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to do that sometime. But my, my kids were young at that time. Um, and I thought, well, maybe maybe some at some point. And so I tucked that idea away uh, in my heart and up on the top shelf for a future opportunity. And uh, and then at at one point in my my career, then it uh, I kept reflecting on this and the masters of public administration. Uh, the you know to to think okay what would I do how would I pursue that and and uh, the the idea would just kind of float into my mind at random times throughout the day and and I'd think well I you know I tucked that idea that goal away on the top shelf and uh, eventually it just kept coming uh, knocking at my heart and I I looked at opportunities to study and and found uh, that a program that suited my, my uh, situation that was offered through Dalhousie University. Interesting. So it sounded like this was calling at you for a little while, and then you eventually answered the call. And I did want to ask about Dalhousie. Now, that's way over on the east coast of Canada. And I just wondered about what it was about that particular program that drew you in. Yes, it uh, it is a bit... <laughs> 
unusual to travel across the country <laughs> to go study, but um, uh, the the main factor is that they offer an, a blended program, uh, so it was primarily online, and I was able to uh, to study from here in Alberta, and uh, and then I ended up at that point having to travel periodically back to or over to uh, Halifax uh, for intensive sessions at uh, the end of, of each course and exams. Um, but one of the aspects that uh, Dalhousie offered at that time, at least, and I believe that they still do, is a uh, prior learning assessment for individuals that uh, that don't have a bachelor's degree to get into a master's program. And so they uh, they allowed me to put together a portfolio and they offer this on a case-by-case basis. And uh, so that uh, I was able to demonstrate my management experience plus the education that I did have in uh, with a few cert- uh, certifications. And uh, they they accepted my my application and I was... Very pleased to be in the program and um, competed very well with my colleagues. It's nice that they were able to look at all of your work history and your life experience and take that into consideration. And it wasn't just about having a undergrad degree. Um, and, and also, it sounds like having a blended program really worked well for you as well, um, being able to continue working while taking your studies online, but also being able to connect with people. Um, when you went back to Halifax, I was in a blended program, <laughs> and I, I found that model worked really, really well. Um, were there any particular courses or professors that stood out for you in the program? Uh, there there were several, yes. Um, I had... Um, I had many, many good professors, and some I I still would uh, classify as as my friends. And uh, in fact, their delegates are in Edmonton. Uh, I try to connect with them if they're putting on a function. So, so I do have a good connection with several of the uh, the academic staff, uh, as well as uh, several of my my colleagues uh, that I studied with. And I uh, it was. Uh, the, the, I was involved in the management stream, so they have a regular two-year master's program that they offer on-site, and then they offer um, a management track and I believe a, a couple other tracks um, that they have that have evolved since I graduated in 2013. Uh, but uh, the management track that I was on, uh, the students are they need to have five years of related work experience and and um, they have seven years to complete that program. Um, I completed it uh, much sooner than that uh, in <laughs> um, within within two years but um, uh, the the colleagues that I connected with and the conversations and online discussions that we had were so insightful and I, I was connecting with a lot of government, professionals from across the country in federal, provincial, and municipal fields. And so it was, it was a, an excellent learning opportunity in that sense, for sure. It's amazing. So you had seven years to complete it, but you did it in two. That's like record time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is record time. Yes, there were 14 courses, and I, I studied over a summer semester as well. So it was, it was pretty hectic. 
Wow, congratulations. That is, uh, that's doing a program very, very quickly. Um, I'm curious to know, did you ever have any of those moments where you questioned yourself, where you asked yourself, why am I doing this? Um, where things got challenging? Uh, did you ever lose momentum? What was that like for you? Oh, well, I I have my moments, <laughs> I think, uh, like like anyone. Um, it There's always challenges and and it was um, I was not exempt to any of that um, I guess one of the strengths that I have I, I try to be quite organized and um, and and try to keep up with things try to keep on top of the the schedule and, and the demands um, but uh, Katrina I don't have a silver bullet or, or any um, uh, you know, quick answer on how, how to manage things. It's just, it, there's a huge amount of volume and uh, you really just have to, have to focus yourself and, and, um, and, and work your way through it, chunk it off piece by piece, course by course, assignment by assignment, and, and put, the, put the time in to get it done because no one else is going to do it for you. Um, but I'd also like to say that the um, at that level, this is a very defined uh, program, very defined learning, right? So, so any anyone and everyone that was in that program, I I would hazard to say that uh, they uh, they appreciated the the material and were were wholeheartedly interested in it, right? They they weren't fresh out of high school wondering if they're going to like this field. They had experience in the field and were uh, actively and aggressively pursuing a higher level education in that, in public administration. So um, that's that was the, the environment that I was in and I was no different, that I was interested in it. And so when you come reading through the textbooks and it's things that you're interested in, it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that. And it's, it's one of the themes that I've noted in the people that I've talked to on the podcast who've come back to school a little bit later in life. And they're taking something that they're very interested in, and they're very motivated as a result of that. Um, it doesn't mean that they don't have challenges or, or moments where they, you know, may have a little bit of doubt about what they're doing. But uh, there is sort of that greater motivation uh, than perhaps you have when you're 18 or 19 and just trying to figure it all out for the first time. Now, you mentioned in your guest questionnaire that this degree changed your professional trajectory. Can you share a bit more about that? How did it change and shape you? Sure. Uh, the So it, before I took the program, the Master's of Public Administration program, I was working in administration, in uh, municipal administration, in management, in um, uh, smaller communities. And um, I had studied the certifications in, in local government and land use planning and uh, uh, through the U of University of Alberta, and those were excellent. And um, so then once I pursued my master's of public administration, uh, while I was studying, I, I also started my consulting company and uh, to take on a little bit of work, uh, contract work on the side while I was studying. And uh, so that 
Um, but after I completed the program, then I wasn't uh, exactly a, the greatest fit in um, back into the municipal administration role that I was previously working in. So it changed my trajectory in the sense that um, I, I was able to take on contracts that were of an evaluation nature. And um, so rather than doing the work in administration, I was able to evaluate how the work was being done at a, a higher level. And um, so currently, for example, I'm working on a, a governance review for an organization and um, a public consultation for another client. And so uh, these sort of roles are at a little uh, a higher level, I would, I would say, uh, rather than on the front lines, uh, working in the trenches day to day in administration where I was. Interesting. Um, I find it really fascinating that the educational piece was a bit of a catalyst for the business in an interesting way and just taking on part-time contracts and then that evolved into what is now Sage Analytics and really reshaping the level of work that you're able to do um, as a professional in this field. Can you tell us a bit more about how has Sage evolved since the time that you started it as a, uh, a part-time contractor to now? Oh, yes, um, I'm I'm very pleased and uh, excited to talk about that for sure. So uh, when I started the the company when I was studying, I just operated a, under a numbered company, and I thought that at some point I would I would choose a name for the company, something that I. Uh, I liked, but I didn't want to just pick a, a random company name um, right off the hop. And um, so the company was pretty small. I just worked as a subcontractor and uh, just on some uh, small, smaller roles uh, because of my studying. And um, then afterwards, then I was able to take on more, um, more involved contracts and uh, pursue contracts, um, uh, more contracts as the, uh, through the company um, alone rather than just uh, subcontracting. Uh, I still teamed up with, uh, with other contractors and um, have a, a strong uh, positive network as well. Um, but now, so, uh, so that was in 2012 when I started it, and uh, now in 2019, it's um, I have an, a network of associates that I, I work with, and um, and a lot of them have expertise in in some subject matter, uh, largely or primarily with municipal government, and uh, we we draw on expertise based on the contract and based on the on the needs that of that contract. So um, if there's a financial component, then I'll bring in uh, associates with financial uh, backgrounds. And um, if there's uh, engineering or operations, then there's that or um, emergency services, planning and development. So we have a, a pretty good team of, of professionals and uh, uh, real uh, top quality individuals. Uh, a lot of them are retired or semi-retired and so they they have other commitments as well and, and um, 
vacations and so forth, which are, are most well-deserved. But uh, we're able to, to work things out uh, to meet the client's needs and, and um, put forward recommendations and, and a work product that is, is top-notch. That's fantastic. And it's quite amazing how you've evolved uh, the organization and been able to draw on all kinds of incredible resources. Um, Let's shift gears just a little bit and let's talk a bit about family life. Now, you've got two kids and they were both in high school during your journey back to the classroom. As a mom, how did you balance work, school and family life? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, uh, there's always a a challenge there. but I, I certainly try to keep things positive for my kids. And uh, I, I'm pleased to say that they it, it has rubbed off on them in a, in a positive way. Um, now they're, they're adults and, and they see that I'm, I'm working hard for my business. And, and uh, they say, oh, good, good hustle, mom. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> and uh, so they, they have a lot of encouragement. Um, but reaching back, even when I was studying my local government cert- certification courses, uh, they were young at that time, and and there were, were times where they're sitting with me in the in the living room in the evening, and and I'd give them each a highlighter, and and they'd help me study. Right, they're helping mom study, which was really quite endearing, and I, I made it a particular effort to keep it positive for them and and I, I spoke with some of my colleagues that were studying at that time too and and one stands out for me in particular where she shared a story that she was a single mom and her her young son resented her studies and at one time he he threw her textbooks in the toilet oh yikes <laughs> yes and and so she struggled with that to try to um uh, keep it positive with him, but uh, he had built up a resentment to her studies, and and so so I learned from that, and, and I think others can too, to uh, try to keep it positive, and uh, so I I did that um, when my kids were were younger and I was studying, and then when I went back to school again, and took my masters, then my kids were in in high school or and uh, thereabouts, and. And uh, so then we were able to compete for marks and uh, share each other's <laughs> challenges with <laughs> assignments due. And uh, so that, w- that was good. And, and I, I did have some support. And uh, so it was uh, overall it was quite good. It worked out well. That's really wonderful that you're able to involve your kids in a really positive way. Um, in your back-to-school journey, and I find it pretty funny about competing for marks. I love that. (laughs) Um, What about financially? How did you fund the degree and make it work and your household budget while raising two kids? Yes, uh, and and that's a challenge. And I guess right off, uh, uh, obviously, you have to be comfortable to live within your means. And uh, as a choosing to be a student, you're you're choosing a certain poverty level in a sense that uh, you're not going to have uh, uh, a lot of extra income because there's that opportunity cost as well. Not only are you not, um, you're, the cost of your education is one thing, but you're not earning income. So or um, as much as you could be if you're working full time. So there's that challenge. 
So what did I do? Well, I, I had a, a diver, diverse approach on that, and um, I, I did have some savings built up from um, um, after um, after high school and when I had worked. And uh, so I did have some savings built up, and I, I drew from those. I also had some RSP uh, that I... Um, had saved, and I took a loan, uh, a lifelong learning loan through uh, Revenue Canada. There, that is a thing, and uh, then I had to pay that back eventually. Um, and I applied for scholaries or scholarships. I applied for scholarships and bursaries, and uh, took on some extra contract work, uh, piecemeal here and there, and um, was able to make it work. How did you find out about all of those different types of um, funding mechanisms? Did you just do some research or did someone tell you about them? Uh, some of them are new to me. I, I haven't heard of, of them. So I'm just curious how you learned about those um, areas where you could find funding. Right. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how I, how I found <laughs> it's them. a while ago. <laughs> but it, it was through research, obviously, um, and if you're looking hard enough, I guess you can find things. And, and I, I, I must have had some advice at some point down uh, at that point in my path. But uh, I can't remember exactly uh, the day or, or what stone I was looking over when I <laughs> looking under when I found those. Well, these yeah, are things. really good resources. And I'll, I'll try and do a little research and dig up the links to those and put those in the show notes for anyone who wants to look into those further. Now, Sherianne, you did not stop with your master's degree. You also trained as a qualified arbitrator in 2016. And as recently as last month, you were also back in school again, this time to complete your qualified mediator designation. What compelled you to add to your education once again with these particular credentials? Yes, I I did not stop learning. That's that's correct, and, and I don't know that I don't know that we ever do. But uh, one aspect is that I I was able to reach for adjacencies in the work that I was doing, and so in uh, some of the evaluation projects that I was working on in municipal government, uh, there was conflict. And I became involved with the Alberta or the the Alternative Dispute Resolution Institute of Alberta, and uh, affiliated with the uh, Canadian and uh, other provincial institutes of uh, dispute resolution. And I I saw that at sometimes conflict uh, well conflict is a normal thing, but. Uh, if there's a way to resolve it, then it can lead to better decision making, uh, more peaceful working arrangements. And so I took my uh, my qualified arbitrator designation um, in 2016. And I saw that uh, legislation was changing for municipal government. And if there's disputes between municipalities, um, for shared services, then uh, they could use the services of an arbitrator to dispute or to resolve that dispute. And I, I saw that as an adjacency, as it was on my path in uh, or close enough to my path that I could reach out and grab it. And so that's why I took that. Uh, then 
uh, with the mediation. Uh, so I, I took the, the classroom training in, in mediation in July, and um, I still have a little work to do on my uh, to, <laughs> to get my, my designation as a qualified mediator. Um, but thanks for your optimism, Katrina. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, uh, so, so with that, it's uh, again an adjacency. Uh, it's very close to my path, and and there are uh, there's a there's a model and there's a path to resolve some some disputes through an, an easier mechanism than uh, litigation, and um, that's one more option that that might be suitable in in certain circumstances. And if that's another aspect I can add to my my toolkit, I'm happy to do that. Well, it sounds like a really smart business decision, particularly if there's legislation that um, talks about the process uh, that would involve arbitration, involve mediation, and so forth in municipal government. Um, So it's lovely that you're able to now offer some of those services to your clients. Um, I'm wondering, uh, just before we wrap up here, what has been the most positive thing for you about going back to school? Hmm. Well, when I think of my time back uh, in study mode, uh, when you're studying and uh, you, you have a certain sharpness about your mind, and when you're immersed in that much literature and you're processing, uh, it just... I think that's fantastic, and and um, if if money was no object, I'd probably still be studying. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're, you're shaking your head, <laughs> but you're still studying too. Um, I just it. I love learning, and and so that's fantastic. But I, I also I love applying the work, and so what I do or applying the learning to my work. Uh, so what I what I'm doing now, a lot of my contracts do involve that uh, similar scope, where there's a research component, there's that deep reflection, trying to solve the solve the riddle or, or figure things out, and make recommendations, and so it's kind of like a research paper in a sense, where you got to put the time in, understand it, and then write the report back. And I would say it's even better because you get paid, you get paid. for it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> so that's good. Well, yes. Sherianne, for those contemplating a return to the classroom, what's the one piece of advice you wish someone had given you before you started on this journey? Yes. Um, well, there's a few things. Um, one is that uh, to be attentive to your goals. And I think back about my colleague when I was um, studying the certificate programs and uh, you know, to, for him to casually say, hey, sherri you should consider taking your master's of public administration. And I thought, well, that's cool. And, uh, but looking back, I see that he was a bit of a, a guidepost, a bit of an angel uh, shining a light on my path. And I think it, it's important to be attentive to your goals. And if something is pressed on your heart, then you should pursue it. And uh, if you see creativity in others, then uh, encourage them as well. And so, 
So I guess the piece of advice would be um, to align your heart and your mind and cooperate in, in completing some good works. Yes. Fantastic advice. Thanks so much. And thank you for being here and for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks, mm-hmm. Sharon. Thanks, Katrina. Can I add one more you thing? Sure can. <laughs> yes. Um, I just would like to put a plug in for public service. So for me, uh, I when I was out of high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I wasn't clear on a career path, unlike some some people. And so I, I went to college, followed my old, older siblings to college, and um, took a, a teacher's assistant certification course. And um, But fast forward, then my life took me into um, public service, and it was quite providential. And uh, it offers a lot of variety. There's, it's not all all fluffy policy. <laughs> there's there's recreation, there's finance, there's law and emergency services, and so quite a variety of scope in public service. And so I guess for, for another little piece of advice, if somebody's not sure what uh, where to apply, uh, check out their their municipal off or municipal. Um, jobs and maybe they can get a foot in the door there and it might lead to a a resounding career in public service. That's amazing. You're obviously super passionate about public service and I love that. Well, let me thank you uh, for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story and uh, just giving, inspiring others to perhaps take this journey. Thank you so much, Sharanne. Thank you, Katrina. Hey, Edmontonians, what does it mean to be well-endowed? Hosts Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink of the Well Endowed Podcast would be happy to explain. Their show explores the impact of passionate people working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city, and how the Edmonton Community Foundation can help folks create endowment funds. You'll be surprised to learn how much impact can be achieved through relatively modest investments from regular Edmontonians. Check it out and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. And since you're up for explanations, Do you need help deciphering teen speak? That's adult talk for understanding your teenager. Karen Unland of the Alberta Podcast Network gets a monthly reality check from daughter Elizabeth and invites listeners along for the ride on their podcast, That's a Thing. That's a Thing is just one of the many excellent local podcasts that are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Subscribe to That's a Thing and find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Now back to our show. It was really fun talking with Sherry Ann about her educational journey. I love how she used the opportunity to be a role model for her kids, to show them how to be a great student and challenge them to have some healthy competition for grades. One of the things that held me back for a long time in applying to grad school was my not-so-stellar undergrad track record. For someone who places a high value on achievement now, my 20-year-old self wasn't such a great student. If you don't have a bachelor's degree, or perhaps you didn't have great marks, there are still master's programs that will recognize your professional work experience. That was Sherry Ann's case in not having a traditional undergrad, so don't let that stop you. Also, I was impressed by the list of financial resources that Sherry Ann mentioned. 
there are some really creative ways to fund your degree while still providing for your family, and I'll link that up in show notes. Lastly, Sherry Ann's journey into entrepreneurship got me thinking a lot about my own situation. It's fascinating how it started as working on projects to make room for school gradually turned into a thriving business. And it got me thinking a lot about how I want to approach my own integration of school and work life over the next year, and if perhaps there are some business opportunities to explore. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio, located on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional homeland of First Nations and Métis peoples. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Norquest College, for supporting the show and to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time.